This episode of Super Pulp Science is brought to you by Clouded Apparel, uh, my clothing brand. So, Clouded Apparel, C L O U D E A D apparel.com. Attention, citizens, it's time for Super Pulp Science. This is Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. Justin is gone to pay for parking, so he will join us momentarily. But our special guest today is Edrin. Hi. A man who needs no introduction, but it's oh, going to... Oh, definitely needs plenty of introduction. All I right. So. so tell our listeners... Oh, right. I'm supposed to do that. what you do. Hi, I'm Edrin. I'm also a con artist in more ways than one. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, uh, hurt. that's hurtful. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I have my... My fan art brand, which is called Paper Beats Rock, and then my original line of clothing and original work, which is called Clouded, D-E-A-D. Um, but yeah, that's me. Okay, so we're just going to jump right into it. You do fan art at mm-hmm. shows, right? You sell prints. I do. Posters, yeah. yes. all kinds of stuff like that. All the but things then that you... are synonymous to paper. That's right. Yes. <laughs> and then you have a clothing line mm-hmm. of your own. Tell me about that. Tell um, us about that barely it sounds like it's way more than it is but it you know it's a it's just something i started because i i personally like a lot of streetwear and fashion in that way and i just wanted an excuse to make clothes that i would wear so i didn't have to buy as much anymore um so now <laughs> and, you buy them by the hundreds and stuff yeah just exactly one for yourself. and then make a little bit of money hopefully right. <laughs> um but it's it's uh it's more of a passion project at the moment but hopefully something that becomes way more for sure and the response seems pretty good it's pretty it's pretty fresh still um it was like in its infancy like super like fetus stages the last time i was on this podcast yeah i was on this podcast yeah. once once before that's right shout out we'll link uh, shout out to me for listeners we'll link to the new episode somehow on our social medias uh, or this episode to the last episode so you guys can see how edrin has evolved mightily oh huh. these many months that's what that's what they say that's yeah what, that's, that's what greg what, says it is what we say it's um, very sweet. <laughs> one of the things that people talk about in the should I do fan art conversation, mm-hmm. um, or my, my f- I should say one of my favorite facets of it, is characterized this way. That fan art is like when a band is starting out, they do covers. Yes. Right? Until they have the confidence and the reach to do their own material. Then they hit the road with their own material mm-hmm. that way. Uh, you're kind of doing both things. You've got your cover band. <laughs> and then your side band both yeah. at the same venue. You like open for yourself. Kind of, yeah, I guess so. I'm just a narcissist that way. Uh, apparently, <laughs> I can own the only one that's good enough to open for me is me. Uh, <laughs> that's not. But that's your new slug line. Apparently, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna put that everywhere, <laughs> and people will love it for me because it's me, right? Double. Um, <laughs> but actually, the like that thought process. I remember you mentioning that before, whether it was on the podcast before or just us talking at one point or another but that's a kind of exactly how i thought even when i first began it just happens that like i still love doing fan art because i'm a fan first i like to say that a lot and it's and it's very true and i'd like to keep it very true in that way so i, I when i do fan art stuff that i personally love always and i try to put now i put so much more work into it as opposed to when i was younger and earlier where i was more like get as much out there just so i can be seen and same thing you know like it was like covers covers and then it became once i had 
a big enough, uh, not even a following, but like I was doing well enough at conventions to make a living off of. I was like, oh, that's my alarm clock. Or not. Oh, that's Justin's. That's Justin's alarm clock. In his absence, we are now manhandling <laughs> his personal electronic device. Yeah. Oh, what's that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but from that, when it started fe feeling more stable, I was like, okay, maybe I can try to dabble into original stuff because I've always admired people who've done original stuff. Greg is definitely one of the people for sure, like even early, early on, and a couple other artists and friends I've met, and it is always like super baffling. I think one of my first conversations with Greg, or like my first convention, I asked you, and you probably don't remember this, but I asked you like, how do you even do original stuff at all? Like, how does it even the ideas even come to mind? Because it it just didn't make sense to me at right. all. Um, and fast forward a few years later, kind of found my own ropes, I guess, and found just your own voice. Yeah, my own voice, and kind of figured one it out. One thing I observe with a lot of people who get into fan art and stay in it in the convention scene for a few years is that if they're doing fan art of any sort, it becomes more and more niche to their interests. Yeah, right? yeah, so for it sure. So goes from being, oh, this is what I think people would like to like. I don't care what people like anymore. Yeah. I'm a super otaku fan of this specific <laughs> thing. And that's what I make. Fan I think that's now. a, and I think it's a great thing, right? Like I, I love that so much. Um, obviously like that's not every artist I think, and there's no shade to either or, um, but personally I, th I know I've always wanted to do things I liked just because I knew I could put way more work into it. You know, I put more passion into it as opposed to doing things that people might like and things I don't know, you know, it just, I didn't, I felt like I was. As a fan, I felt like I was cheating other fans in a way. Yeah. And it's, I don't have any like ill will to people who do just draw things because they think it'll do well or they're like riding the hype train and all that. I Go have for it. Ill will. Ill Justin's will. Back. Oh, whoa. Whoa. From out of nowhere. <laughs> he was actually be here the whole time. Just didn't want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> he was just sitting silently, staring, yeah. glowering He's, at us. Justin's just a great listener. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we've been talking about you the mm. whole time you were gone. Just like last podcast, trying Just to keep like, true. Yeah. No, we haven't. We actually haven't brought you up really, except when your alarm went off. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, that to was up. to pay my parking. Yeah. Yes. Ah. We told all our listeners that you had gone to pay for parking. So yeah. Dan may have to edit around this, or maybe he won't. No, he's shaking no. God, no. That'd be fine. <laughs> um, so here's the conversation. Uh, in summary, so far, for Justin's sake, you arrive at shows you start doing fan art your fan art starts to evolve to become more niche more specific to only your own interests rather than what people like uh edrin's also branched off and started a clothing line and begun a number of projects that are completely self-directed um he treats shows like concerts but he opens <laughs> for himself sure that's what greg said about how's me. the clothing thing been going um I was saying earlier, it is much more of a passion project in a lot yeah. of ways, but it's been going pretty great. Like, I think because it's original work and it's because it's clothing and it's a much higher uh, markup in price, like compared to a, a print that could be 10 to 20 bucks, right? Yeah. A sweater is like 50 to 60 bucks. Um, the fact that whenever anyone buys it, I don't make as much money from it, but the fact that anyone buys it is like so, means so much more, like way more. And I'm like, and. Um, and that feeling alone is kind of a high that I've been riding off. Well, because what you're doing is you're creating the feeling of nostalgia that we carry that makes fan art work. You're creating the seed of yeah. that for the first time in somebody when yeah. they pick up an original work. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And I, I'm still trying to like, I guess I'm still figuring it out and like 
realizing that even more so when like coming into understanding that's what's happening and it's it's pretty pretty great from that and and like the reception has been pretty great you know i don't have like high super high standards and i need it like i need to sell this many units or whatever um the fact that i sell this many at this show or whatever have been you know it's been pretty great enough for me to like want to keep going and people seem to want more and they ask on their own accord which is pretty insane yeah in a lot of ways it's a yeah. great feeling when someone yeah. sees something that you've done remembers what you did and wants only that thing yeah like the funnest thing sorry I didn't no, go ahead. but the funnest thing is like when people see my original stuff and my fan art stuff a lot of people think they're separate people one which oh. is great and i do love that because i want it to be its own thing and two um when people <laughs> i remember clearly one time someone said uh is it an insult if I say I like your original stuff more than your fan stuff. And I was like, you know what? No, I love that way more. And I'm so happy that you said that. It's like the biggest compliment you could have gave me, if anything, because that speaks more true to who I am. Timber, his arms wide. Justin and I have different portfolios. Like my portfolio is more like 80% originals and 20% fan art. And his is sort of 80% either fan or license work, stuff you've done for companies, and then 20% originals. But both of us, use the recognizable property as a flag at the shows, right? We put For up sure. a thing people will recognize. Mm -hmm. yeah. Someone will come up and they'll say, oh, the thing, you know, uh, oh, isn't that from Pan's Labyrinth, right? Stuff that we were allowed to do. And then, yes, but I also have all this other stuff that I made. Mm -hmm. And when they walk, for me, the big, the big victory is when they walk away from the booth having bought no fan art at all. Yeah. And only original stuff because what they were connecting to was the style and the composition and not the content. And Justin, you should see Justin's face lights up. He might sell a hundred of one um, print over the course of like a, you know, five days of a show. But then if two people get super excited about a piece of original work, he like pushes out of the way. Like, <laughs> oh, you like this one? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Everyone else leave, please. Yeah. <laughs> You're a special customer. <laughs> So I feel that like I understand that completely. I feel I feel that in so many ways. It's just I don't, I don't know. There's something about it. I guess we were talking about. I feel like we're just reiterating that. Well, but. the thing about it is our egos. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right, right, deep right. down. I mean, let's <laughs> just. Uh, That's you, true. Right. What you like is the idea that you yourself as an individual can influence somebody's emotions their thoughts their desires yeah through I, some outpouring of your own emotions thoughts and i think desires. there's an element to it as well that like walking through a comic-con floor there is there's quite a bit of fan art in artist oh, alley right so, so when much. somebody sees a booth that has only original art a bit of them is going like i just am not familiar with that fandom like whatever, like I don't know yeah. what it's from, it's true. so it's oh, probably yeah, from sure. a show or a movie or a book series that I don't know. So I'm not gonna stop and take a look. Yeah, yeah. And Although I think sometimes what happens, uh, like with the Minus Institute posters, mm -hmm. uh, which is from a graphic novel that I'm working on, and I have a whole bunch of posters related to it for the dear listeners' sake. People will stop and ponder, and then I'll hear the conversation, like, "Oh, I think it might be from this. Oh, maybe it's from that." Yeah, there's yeah, always yeah, that right? one They're nerd sure. who needs to school his friends like, oh, that's yeah. from well, this. Well, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the well, actually guys. And so the well, actually guys get stuck because it's, I've spent a lot of time compositionally to make it look like something else. Yeah. Like cohesive. There's 10 right. or 15 images that are all clearly from something, but the something's yeah. not out yet. Yeah, so yeah, they yeah. don't know. 
I had a group of people. I was just at a convention at a small town, uh, Brandon nearby. Shout um, out to Brancon. Week. Shout out to Brancon. It was a great show. What? That's a thing. Um, there was a, a family there that, you know, was familiar with pop culture, but not too well versed. And they got everything wrong that they tried to guess at in the portfolio i started out like trying to help them like oh that's actually from this movie right but then i stopped because it was so entertaining how bad and like so like lord of the rings they weren't familiar with that they didn't know Whoa. like any of the start like even i think they got darth vader right but then they atat they didn't know what that was from yeah. and like it was comical because they kept trying so hard but they didn't know what anything was. They were great. You're way nicer than me. Because I see people struggle, and I'm like, and they look at me like, help. And I'm like, no, no, I'll let you struggle for a little bit longer right. before. <laughs> just keep going. Well, I see. do that too. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, That's though, hilarious. it's like, so you arrive at a table, and you, you don't know what anything is, and you're new to shows. We, get a, we see a lot of people who are yeah. new to shows. Like, first yeah. time here. You know, first yeah, it's time crazy. here. That's amazing. I'm like, how thing. is that possible? Um, <laughs> And they want a guide, right? Mm -hmm. They want somebody to go through the whole show and like, this is that, and this is that. And, and we see that. that a lot too. They want to discover like the new people to, with that veteran with friend. friend. Yeah. But I think the secret for the dear listener who's maybe nervous mm -hmm. about approaching people and saying, what is this? Is even us vendors could not possibly know every fandom that's at the show. We have a good, yeah. we start to learn it after a while, even ones you don't connect with or don't watch yourself, you, you learn what they are. But there are hundreds of fandoms oh, yeah. where cosplay Jeez. will go by and it is a top, no I can tell the cosplay is perfect because yeah. the number of people who are like Around hounding them. them for the photo. Yeah. But I don't know what it is. Yeah, for sure. At all. For sure. And then like, and, and then you okay. find out later. It's okay yeah, not it's, to know. It's totally okay. The thing is, um, not everyone is like Edrin and Justin. They won't all shame you from behind their booth. Is what I'm getting. Oh, at. but so much more fun. <laughs> 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 no, but the thing is, like, um, especially in the Comic Con space, I like to tell people who are new or customers or whatever is like, it's such a, the best thing about being in a con space is that when you go in, you automatically have something in common with somebody. It doesn't matter. It could be like one fandom out of the hundreds of thousands that are out there but it's one thing and there's going to be like maybe a hundred people who are into that right away and like that's where they go to meet yeah exactly and like asking about anything um because i've asked cosplayers and stuff i'm like do you get offended if people ask you where you're from and for the most part they're not they say no um unless they're because, dressed as superman I guess. yeah and that's yeah. silly <laughs> and they're just trying to be you know oh. yeah but other than that like for the most part people just want to geek out about the fandom that they're passionate about and that, like myself included i and we're talking about going back to the you end up drawing more niche and niche things uh the longer you kind of do the convention thing uh, and from that itself it's because you love it yourself and you get such a better in my in my opinion a better reaction because like the people who are also into that niche thing don't see that a lot and then they, when they see it they're like oh my god it's yeah. this thing well and whoa well, there's this this wonderful uh, idiosyncratic social groups that grow around fandom. There are fans not just of Star Trek, for example, mm -hmm. but there are fans of specific fandoms around specific single episodes. Yeah. Right? I'm looking at yeah. you, Darmark and Jalad. Right? Like entire episodes where people who are not Star Trek fans will only watch that one episode and it's their that, own and they have like I didn't know that was a thing yes there are mm. Facebook groups all around certain episodes because of an issue that is um, 
you know, it might be a political issue or it might be a societal issue or something What's, that has reached it. So Dharma, What's that episode for you? Dar- oh, for me? It's for sure Dharmic and Jalad. That's why I brought okay, it up. Okay, yeah. What, I'm not it's the episode where Picard goes on a planet, he and another alien race that he cannot speak the same language. Oh, they speak only in metaphor. that was a great episode. Right? Dharmic and Jalad at Tanagra. Yeah. Um, they go to this planet and they're in a hostile situation together and the outside danger speeds up their ability to learn each other's language and to communicate even though it's a completely alien situation that's cool yeah and by the end of the episode you the viewer picard the character are fluent in this other language and it's only been an hour that's pretty cool right yeah this idea a lot of um uh a lot of linguistic study university courses use this episode as a way of saying like it doesn't take as long as you think to reach an ability to communicate people. And maybe this is a good metaphorical episode about a metaphorical episode in <laughs> fandom, right? It doesn't take as long as you think to communicate with people about something that a second ago you had no idea about. Yeah. And I think that is one of the, the biggest heartwarming parts of conventions is how people will make lasting friends from shows having oh, yeah. met and bonded over this one very specific element of fandom yeah mm-hmm. right that's where it reaches beyond this idea of entertainment into some other For cultural sure. phenomenon yeah, yeah. it's and like that question of like what is the point of art essentially yeah. and it's that right like it's it's a i i heard one person say and i kind of feel it is and it's very simple but um like what's the point of art it's a conversation starter and that alone um branches out to everything else that, that art is and, well and yes. in the literati world of artistic uh, opinion i guess <laughs> there's this idea that if you make art for the sake of entertainment it loses some of its artistic it's a, integrity right because it's just there to entertain and yet we see when i see the longitudinal study of fandom here right people are connecting with something that is purely entertainment and then connecting with other real human beings based on their shared love of this one particular icon or image which is no different than people walking into a gallery space seeing a painting on the wall standing there for hours and then meeting the person standing beside them that has been attracted to that same painting for their whole life right it's just art is entertainment no matter how yeah oh yeah right because entertainment is just your distraction from the from the real of your life yeah just the thing that puts a pause on those things darmok and gelard want to fight with me is that it so you've got clothing you've got different print sizes and uh-huh. you're continuously pumping out new work yeah at what point do you start retiring work and how do you decide well, what gets right. retired and does it ever come back how many pieces or, of no, ask you guys about that no um no yeah we have a system you guys do have a system well it's i'd like to hear your system constantly evolving yeah yeah um Right, like right now, when I walked into the studio, they are doing some cleaning, and I've literally been spending the last week or so cleaning specifically for that reason, where I have like a bunch of old prints that just don't sell anymore, and I, I think it just gets to the point where I'm not happy with the work, and it doesn't feel cohesive with my newer stuff as it doesn't well. Represent you, yeah, right? anymore. Like there's there's some prints that I definitely will keep, I guess, because they're still popular, but. There's almost a part of me that's like, I'll just, I kind of want to redo them and how I am now because it's been so long. And 
like now I'm getting to that point. There's it's it really is just like if it's not selling as well at conventions from that alone, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna start cutting this out. Um, especially a lot of those are ones that I felt like I I used to just kind of push out because it was kind of popular at the time. So I think for the dear listener here, I think that we could do an interesting cross section. You name three of the subjects of your top selling prints. Justin, you do the same thing, and I'll do the Oof. same thing, and the listener will realize how different, different, that <laughs> yeah, is. very different. Yeah. I'm sure. What are the fandoms that your best-selling fan art? Are um, from? it's all the newer stuff right now, I guess. JoJo one, um, Full Metal. Okay, exp- like do the whole. I know what you mean when you say Full Metal and JoJo. Oh, Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah. Um, but they're mainly like my newer prints. I think yeah. that's also Full Metal I think. is doing. I think it's because of like the newer print and stuff, but it oh, is okay. also very, like, it's still popular. I love that show. But, and you love that show. I yeah, know, but stuff. I've I had a, a full metal piece for a very long time, and it's <clears throat> it's dying down. It's probably because people have seen it so much. Okay, though. but hold yeah. on. JoJo, yeah. full metal, and? Um, I don't know. I'm going to just say Kingdom Hearts. And Kingdom Hearts. All right. Sure. Now, your three bestsellers for the past year, say? Um, Gundams. I have like 16 different Gundam pieces. Um, so normally if somebody's buying like three or more prints from my table, there's a Gundam, there's a Gundam in, there. in there somewhere. Um, or if you really want to make him angry, you walk by and you shout out, oh, those Voltrons look great. Oh, <laughs> dope. Are those from Pacific Rim? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, recently did a, a Harry Potter piece with almost like... Yeah. Uh, a scene from every book or every movie and the horror crux is all hidden in there um, so that one's been one of my top sellers actually it's one of my favorite pieces you've ever done also and I've got another yeah. piece like in the same style coming up um, but based around Final Fantasy 7 so I'm even nice. more excited about see that and that's one. niche yeah, for you because yeah, you've loved Final Fantasy like lows these I was like I lost like it's grade really 6 right to too, that yeah. game there's a remix coming out oh that's true yeah. and so yeah perfect timing okay um, so you're oh, wait, I haven't oh, yeah, listened to my more. third yet third <laughs> yeah oh my god Justin <laughs> you know last time we talked all about Justin we're trying to cut it out that's you know, true cut it down a bit um I have four different Lord of the Rings pieces and so also like playing on nostalgia and I think they're like they're good like big versus small pieces so normally somebody grabs one of the Lord of the Rings pieces you also but your Lord of the Rings pieces also stand out I mean your towers for example Mm -hmm. as I don't see that anywhere right if I want to buy either of the two towers as a really iconic print with all these tiny little hard to find elements from the story in it they don't exist anywhere except at your table like Mm -hmm. why I think those Mm -hmm. are standing out is because they stand out there's a fair amount of Lord of the Rings art. My tops are from our Carmilla, which is like an old vampire story. Yes, I know uh, this. Yeah, Dracula, sure. mm-hmm. uh, Frankenstein, um, and uh, edging up into my top four is one that I thought there'd be no way it could happen because it was so niche. My Day of the Triffids piece. Really. I, right. Wow. People, no, none of these. Right. But this is <laughs> so. The point I'm making is that the, where I dig deep into fan art is classic literature. Yeah, where yeah. you dig deep into fan art is anime, gaming, right? Stuff, gaming yeah. stuff. I should right? say one of my most popular prints that I just remembered is that is The Office. <laughs> I just made one. The, yeah, and that's office. been killing it. Yeah, wow. and I love that show. So, see, so, so yeah. well. For example, like some of the some of my most populars in the past, when I did Samurai Jack, I thought oh, yeah, nobody so, would ever so good. Like it was, like it was a really great cartoon, but not a lot of 
I didn't think a lot niche, of people yeah. liked it. Yeah. And I'd because never it got seen canceled. any I never seen yeah. anybody like do art on it. Yeah. And yeah. when I did it was my top seller for years and it still does well. And same with Secret of Nim. I did Secret of Nim mm-hmm. because I loved that movie. Um, didn't think it'd sell at all. And it either like kills it or like doesn't really sell at all. Like <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah. very like hot or cold. Well, so then piece. that comes around back to your question of how do you figure out what to keep <clears throat> or what to get rid of? Oh, I wanted to mention is like, so I've, I've ran into this where pieces stop selling. So I retired a whole bunch of stuff and it got to the point where now I have two completely different portfolios. I have my new portfolio and I have enough old stuff to facilitate an entire other portfolio. Yeah. Um, he means like an, for the dear listener, an actual portfolio book with like which what, 65, 65 pages. So I have art. 65 pages of old work and 65 pages of new work kind of thing. Um, so at a couple of shows, I had two tables, one with my retired artwork, one with my new artwork. Um, just because I still had prints laying around. I yeah. didn't want to throw them out or anything like that. Um, it seemed like a good experiment. Yeah. A good experiment. And these retired pieces, a lot of them had been retired for like two to three years, some four, like some I hadn't brought out for a very long time. Because you've been doing this 10 years now. Yeah, this yeah. is 10 years I've been doing this. Yeah, happy so, anniversary, man. Yeah, thanks. The, uh, the last couple of shows, because I've been able to drive, I've been able to bring more work than usual. So I put on the table a new portfolio and an old portfolio and it has been kind of stunning the amount of people going into that old portfolio and buying work that had been dead sellers for years now that the people are being introduced to them again yes, it's the nostalgia yeah, ki- yeah, yeah. It's nostalgia kicking in they don't know it's old work it still has my mm. same style enough that well and it's some cohesive. of them can, can tell I'm sure that oh, yeah. it's old work but if you're a fan like you know I'm a fan of Jack Kirby yeah. I love Jack Kirby's <clears throat> early work on the romance comics just as much as I love his Fantastic Four. Right. Even though when you look at it, one is clearly superior mm-hmm. storytelling, right? His later work is better. Yeah. But what you see in decoding the like origins of the artists you love are in that old work. And I think you've been around long enough, Justin, you're so old um, <laughs> and withered as an artist that there's... Uh, the people who have connected with your work want to see where it started, want to see some of that and to put those pieces in their collection, which is, you know, a wild thing to imagine people collect your work. Yeah, it's insane. I still am kind of baffled when people tell me, they're like, oh, I bought your stuff before, which is great. And then they're like, yeah, it's still on my wall. I'm like, right, people put my stuff on yeah, on yeah. Their walls. walls. And they're like, I'm going to get it framed and stuff. I'm like, oh, right, they frame it? Like, that's so much effort for this <laughs> piece of paper. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> I'm like, I wouldn't do that for my own stuff. Um, but it's just, it's it's so humbling, I guess, in a lot of ways to when you really realize it, that that's happening. And it's just an insane feeling. Um, especially, like, the older work, too. Like, sometimes, <laughs> one of my best-selling prints still is this Pokemon Avatar mashup. Um, and it's, like, literally one of my first prints i've ever made and i still sell it and it's still one of the best sellers at shows i don't go to or like are newer um because everyone else who's bought it like has it who right. wants it has it but sometimes i'm like oh man did i did i peak on my first show <laughs> <laughs> i haven't made anything better than this apparently well you did that with a final fantasy piece. i had uh yeah final fantasy 7 i will never be a memory piece that i did in the lunch hour and it like Look. dominated oh, my yeah. sales for, and like it got it's spread been around the. Stolen by more yeah. t-shirt yeah. and. If you look up like sites. Final yeah, Fantasy yeah. VII wallpapers, it's like the fourth image that comes oh, up yeah. on Google search, which is really cool. But for a while, it was almost 
irritating. I would spend like dozens of hours on paintings, but nobody would care about those. It was like that one hour like yeah. silhouette piece yeah. that people killed for. Yeah, that's fun. So how do you, okay, so. I think the point is you don't know, you can't predict, you need to just keep working. Yes. And yeah, yeah things are gonna happen. You're the intrusion captain, but I need some answers. If fan art, if we if we establish the working premise that art evolves, mm-hmm. right, and the way in which we are giving it a chance to live in our portfolios is how well it's doing at shows, yeah, right. Do you think then that there is a chance that you will create in your art practice an evolutionary dead end by following the money rather than following? Your heart. Well, not your heart, but the way that a style evolves is different. Like, for example, if I take, if I were to have said this Dracula piece I did, which was also a very simple composition that mm-hmm. people just seem to love, like from literary professors to like 14-year-olds that had never read it, they just really connected with them. Yeah. I could have said, man, I should do a ton of simple silhouette pieces. Mm-hmm. And that would have limited the place I am now as an artist. So that's true that. if you only concentrate on what you're doing. But at a convention, you're surrounded by okay. people who have figured things out in a better, more effective, um, more talented way than what you've done. So if you like take in what everybody else is doing and steal little snippets here and there and integrate that, I think you'll always grow. But if you're just have the blinders on and only look at your table, then yes. But I think it's hard to do that at a convention, not be aware. Oh my God, this guy, I've never seen him before, but everybody's going to his booth. What is he doing yeah. Oh, yeah. or she For doing sure. that I mean, I'm not doing? My favorite thing about those people at shows is when you look past the crowd and they are as surprised as you are. At their, like they <laughs> what don't. What is going on? <laughs> yeah, they don't know what happened. They just brought their stuff. Yeah, yeah. people love it, and a crowd forms, and they don't even know how to interact with more than one person at a time, yeah. or how to meet the demand. And they're just overwhelmed with this, like, you know, flood of love and support. It's not even in those moments. I see how it's not at all about the money because they are just completely shocked that anyone cared about all the labor they had just done for years to make this work and wow they like it but you can very quickly be turned by the money you know we say we say a lot at the studio here that money doesn't change people it reveals them i think that's super true yeah Yeah. oh great that's a great quote yeah right um i do like i've always been a strong advocate personally of like as long as you work at something you love it enough you'll make money regardless eventually whether it becomes a full-time thing or not and so when you personally when you start chasing the money i feel like you slowly lose yourself a bit in a way so then yeah like you might make who knows x amount of money whatever you want but that you're never gonna it's never gonna end in terms of like how much more do you want in terms of money and it's just gonna this never-ending cycle and you you get trapped into that that rut of that maybe that one style like silhouette i have um i also have similar like one shots of like one character pieces that i kind of did mainly because i wanted stuff for smaller prints that weren't eating into like the bigger print stuff that i spent way more time on um but i would still sell them in like the bigger size and people some people really love them and i haven't done them in about a year cool someone's dying Um, (laughs) (laughs) but 
for the dear listener who has been around for a long time, you've heard many emergency response vehicles fly past our studio in, past the open window. Mm-hmm. It's uh, not just Winnipeg, but we're on the corridor. So <laughs> it's not just that there's a murder happening every episode. Yeah, it's sometimes there's a fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one thing I was going to say is I was at, uh, yesterday I had breakfast with a bunch of uh, freelance writers, and we were talking about how, okay, one of the facets of the conversation was don't do it unless you're getting paid. Like, don't do, don't, give your work away and the argument that i was saying is listen if you only will work for money yeah then you will quickly be outpaced in your skill by people who will also do it for free yes and so you have to find a place in your artistic practice where the stuff you would do anyway you figured out who are the clients who want it so that like the example i used was i'm always making monsters and those monsters usually have tentacles Right. And so, I mean, it's silly, but it's super specific, (laughs) right? Because it's really fun and freeing to create those shapes for me. Right. So what I've started doing is reaching out to horror film producers Mm. as conceptual design, because now if I say, here's five things that I've done recently, they'll say, oh, great. Do you have something that's a little like this? I can look at my existing body of monster drawings and say, actually, yes, Mm the stuff I did just for fun. Here's three things that meet that. You can have these for your film for X dollars, right? It was stuff I was already doing for yeah. free and for fun, and I'm getting better at it. But if you only work for money and I work for fun, I'll always do more work than you. Yeah. 100%. And I'll always get better faster because yeah. I'm producing more work. You're just doing more. Yeah. yeah. You're just always doing more, which means you get better. And that's. So, what are the things you guys <clears throat> do, even though you don't care whether you ever get paid for it? Uh, well, I think drawing in general. Like, all of this is. Uh, I can't speak for everyone here, but I, I'd like to imagine that a lot of us would be drawing even if we weren't getting paid, you know, or, yeah. you know, you just enjoy it so much. I've personally always said, like, the, the convention grind is can be really tough, Oof. and I, you guys know for sure, um, and I've, like, even personally, even maybe even next year, cutting down on certain shows or smaller shows here and there, just so I, because I miss the fact that I can't draw as much, and... I've even like friends of mine who aren't in the convention scene are like, what? Like, but don't you do well? This and that. I'm like, yeah, but priorities for me are creating and making things. That's where I have fun. Um, Meaningful struggle. Yeah. Not just struggle. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Just, yeah. that's just monetary struggle. Yeah. Really. Like you're, you're, you can, I, a lot of, you hear a lot of artists who do like upwards of 40 shows and they'll send proxies here and there. And, um, and they, I'm sure they do really well and they're great. And, but I, I personally like to be at every show I can be because I can show appreciation to the people who buy stuff and also but I also want to draw yeah. as much as possible. Well, and those people that we know who are doing forty shows or sending proxies and doing a hundred shows, yeah. Yeah. Um, are only producing five or ten new pieces a year because they're all they're doing is management. Yeah, yeah. It usually right. comes down to like there needs to be somebody on the team who's not doing artwork that's just arranging yeah. all the logistics yeah. of everything. No, yeah. and again. If that's what you want. Yeah, yeah. hey, go for it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, for it's it. just for me personally, and it sounds yeah. like you guys as well. Mm-hmm. As much as possible, like, I could, I would rather work a minimum wage job and then do, like, a couple conventions here and there, uh, be able to produce as much art as I want, yeah. you know, and do that. Well, and you're young, too, so that body of work. I feel old. Right? That body, yeah. <laughs> We're all so ancient <laughs> and haggard from just drawing all just, day. <laughs> um, but what I was going to say is that body of work will always serve you as you move forward 
Yeah, for sure. Right? And so the more you have, the more opportunities you have as a result of it. Um, and that's the thing that a lot of artists forget is they, you know, they put their old portfolio away and never think of it again. Mm-hmm. But maybe we'll, we should learn from this from Justin here is after three or four years, people have forgotten all your old work. <laughs> so now it's new yeah. to them. And I mean, the movie industry figured this out. Oh, for yeah. sure. Every, there's everywhere. a cycle, right? Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. a complete cycle and yeah. you just remake it and remake it and remake it. Yeah. I'm, like I've been looking through old files because um, I'm also digitally spring cleaning or fall yeah. cleaning and seeing like old prints and stuff that I've forgotten or like work in progresses that I've forgotten and things that I've liked about that of those pieces that I just forgot. I'm like, man, I, I should you weren't ready to finish. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That too. You that find too. it where you stalled on a piece yeah. <laughs> and then you find it two years later, like you say, in the digital spring cleaning, you're like, oh, I see how I can... F- yeah, I can finish this now. But I think a lot of it, like you, you were so attached to the original idea that you had, and then it was going in a different direction, and you couldn't distance yourself from that original yeah. idea, so you got stumped. Yeah. Coming back later, you don't have that same attachment, so you're able to look at it objectively and finish mm-hmm. it properly. This is that evolutionary dead end. You're actually, you know, there's proof for your thesis that if you let yourself be exposed to a lot of new stuff, Yes. Then you'll have yeah. the answer. Yeah. If you always, leave it, yeah, but if you just pushed sure. and pushed, that art will get worse. Like, Do you guys notice too? I uh, like as I go through the internet, I collect artwork that I like and designs oh, that I like, and I so have much. <laughs> you know folders of yeah. all this artwork. Yeah. When I look at artwork that I liked like four or five years ago, I'm like, why would I like this? <laughs> I'm like, your tastes change so taste, much. Taste, totally. uh, they're so garbage. I'm yeah. so much yeah. better than them now. <laughs> no, no, it's no, like, what no, inspiration no, no, I'm was I getting? They're good, but it's just like, it's not what I want to be doing. Not, yeah, it's not yeah. the direction I'm going anymore. So I was organizing sure. some of my... Fo- it's funny, we're all in that mode right now yeah, for whatever for sure. reason. I guess because shows are over and we're exactly. getting into yeah. making new work. Yep. Uh, I'm organizing all of this stuff, and I'm zoomed way out in my... in my Because f- when I'm collecting how I collect work that I like, I'm just like on my phone, mm-hmm. you know, on the way somewhere, and I take screenshots of it. So I end up with these huge folders full of screenshots. I was organizing them, and when I zoomed out, I realized that they were all in the same color palette. Like everything from the last like three months that I'd been like, ooh, that's cool, ooh, yeah. that's cool, ooh, that's cool. We're all blues and greens or blue greens. Nice. And Funny, right behind Greg right now is green and blue. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so completely obsessed. And I wonder if, you know, it's no wonder. That means that whatever color theory was going on to inspire all of those artists, right? is in a past cycle and in the time it takes me to be influenced by their work yeah. it's going to create a new cycle of that same color scheme yeah you know a hundred other people like uh who are making work in the same sort of space as me are all being influenced by that stuff and i it'd be really interesting uh in a future that's coming for some machine algorithm to actually be able to track that this is too much data to look at now but yeah Oh, it's coming. Not for long. It appears they're trying their best, as are we, for what it's worth. Shaka, when the walls fell. You're both in make work mode now. How does your cycle, your day, change? Knowing that you don't have to run away in five days for an airplane. <laughs> um, sure, I... I... I don't know. Well, right now I'm not really in work mode. You're I mean, not. I'm in clean mode. You're in cleaning yeah. mode. Yeah. So tell me about that. It's clean. Oh, geez. It's it's a matter of organizing and cleaning everything out to make it more efficient for next year. Especially like you guys said, I I keep making more stuff and clothing takes up so much 
space. Physical space. Mm-hmm. Um, so like my house is just filled everywhere and I feel terrible because my mom is just working around my, <laughs> my stuff. Um, so I've like cleaned out uh, our like sunroom, which has had a bunch of junk and everything and just making it more efficient with shelving and everything. And that's been super fun. That's another like just love of mine, just interior design and architectural kind of things and just kind of making look making things look pretty. I just guess. so. Yeah. Making it just so. Yeah. Um, so all of that. But then in terms of when I get into a workspace, which I was still kind of doing, but I knew I had to kind of prioritize cleaning before I can prioritize drawing and creating again. Um, it's just a matter of, I think it'd be like a couple hours or so on Instagram, um, for better or worse, in terms of, like, I mainly use Instagram to follow artists and, like, find new art and everything, so looking at that, seeing all that stuff, um, checking the list of maybe fandoms that I've been meaning to draw forever, um, working on those ones, or the ones that I really want to and just feel inspired to do at the moment, and then, uh, like, the stuff I, I have the most fun with now is Clouded, my original stuff, so having like the ideas that I have and I've been writing down in my phone throughout the convention season just that I can finally now work on so it just be like days of that and you know take a break whenever but it's mainly like I'm gonna be home forever (laughs) for the most part if I can like if friends ask to go out then I'll make sure I guess but (laughs) I can I can go out. We go into our shut-in modes. As yeah, the cold and I'm into, so excited for it. Yeah, <laughs> to be I know. Honest, I actually, personally. I'm super excited. Yeah, I spent two months not going anywhere and just making things up. Yeah, and you guys, how's uh, the day-to-day go? That's it. Yeah, it's you, you know you basically describe what we're doing now. We're tidying <laughs> up the studio and organizing stuff and figuring out what to do with old stock. And one of the conversations um, I've been having with more people and Justin are having a little bit um, is there a way to give away? old stock in a way that's genuine and not like hey here's a bunch of old garbage can you take it but um here's 50 prints that i really loved when i made them Mm -hmm. but the marketplace didn't show up can we just give them away to people sometimes on sunday what i'll do is i'll pre i'll get a bunch of those prints that like i love doing but nobody else nobody else like it's unfortunate (laughs) like people like like them but not enough to buy them and that's you know it's fine like sometimes you you hit it and sometimes you miss that mark and it happens so i'll have like 20 or 30 of those prints um and i'll just pre-bag them all so i'll have 30 pre-bagged prints and then whatever the other people buy that goes in there you get a free you know spaceship print and here are your other prints in there we've been calling it a tangible thank you oh nice you know on Sunday like here's the thing and people you know they're surprised and a little bit overwhelmed that they got a free thing because everything it shows can feel like so expensive but now I'm like thinking maybe it just wasn't that time for that print because now that I'm bringing all this retired work back (laughs) and it's all selling I'm like why did I ever give anything away (laughs) I just had to sit on it for a year or two and people will buy it then I know, but if you've seen our storage room, you should remind Justin that he should give some of it away. Justin, give it all away. Should we also, should we mention the new vantage trick with old prints that might be a huge game changer? You know, from the simple standpoint of sustainability and recycling, Mm -hmm. it is good. We print on uh, heavy stock, Mm -hmm. right? So this doesn't work. 80 to 100 pound cover weight okay um it's not glossy or anything like that it's a satin finish right and that's important because the paper then is resilient it has a lot of spring and if you reload it into a printing machine it does not jam or stick together so we just recently found out that this old stock that hasn't been selling i can bring that back to the printer and they can print on the other side 
Oh, nice. So yeah. a lot so of my dead so prints yeah. that like, ah, didn't sell. Like, what am I going to do with this? I am now going to be bringing that back to the printer and printing newer stuff on the other side. The other side. And then the idea being that, you know, it's like a secret print or like they can pick or, but whatever right. reason. Oh, that also it's so cool. environmentally yeah. friendly. It's, it's a lot more environmental. Yeah. You know, you end up, when oh, you're making God. books or art, especially digitally where you're printing large yeah. numbers, you can have like so much waste, which is. Oh, so much. I feel terrible every time. Yeah, I know. Every time. So, bad. so we're trying to do, uh, you know, try to think about it in a small way to reduce climate that change. Waste. Is real, guys. Yeah. How are we doing for time there, Dan? Um, we can wrap it up. We can wrap it up. Can give it a little five minutes. Five minutes. A little chunk. A little round it out. On that. Uh, on that note, I had a great idea. Um, on the weekend, I was talking to Nico, and we've both been approached by people. Nico Rudolph. Nico for the Rudolph, dear um, who's working on a great new project. So you should go check it out and talk to him about it and bug him to finish it because he needs to finish it. Um, NicoRudolph.com. Dot <laughs> com, I think. Anyways, yeah. um, we've had people come up at shows, and I use plastic bags to bag my prints up. So it's a clear plastic, and it has my logo on it. And part of the reason I did that was... I was constantly printing business cards and I felt like I was just kind of throwing them away because people collect business cards, but they don't necessarily do anything with right. them. It's just yep. something free to get at every table at a convention. So now I have these clear bags with my logo and most people have clear bags at, at shows. Mm -hmm. it's, there's a lot of plastic going around yeah. Yeah. and people have mentioned like, have you ever thought about like doing something like not plastic, like maybe getting something more environmentally friendly for, um, for your stuff. And that got me thinking like paper as well. Yeah. There are some great recycled paper options out there. So, but the problem is like we're to small businesses. Such quantities, yeah. It's really expensive to be environmentally friendly yep. and be a small business. Like your costs for bags, it's four times more expensive. For printing, I think it's the same thing. If you want to go an eco-friendly paper, you're looking at four times the cost. Right. And when you're a smaller company, like that's that's a lot of money yeah. when you yeah. add it up. Yeah. But I want to try next year making a series of prints and printing on the most like economically friendly like solution that I can find. Like eco-friendly printing. Mm -hmm. And passing that cost on to the consumer. I'm going to do like a limited run. Like if mm. you want yeah, like yeah. super friendly stuff it costs more for me so it's going to cost more for you, you want to wonder let's try yeah, that you could, out yeah, yeah. You, we could almost smart, yeah. do uh help like tell us if we should change kind of thing right? i want to see or yeah. if you're yeah. willing to buy it at this price i would change my entire stock exactly for this. Yeah. but if you're not then i can't feed my children you can make you know all like all the artists yeah know a couple a bucks of, of every print goes towards that's the Something. other thing you could do is, you know, Donate, we could, yeah. I mean, if we're going to be high-minded about it here sitting on this podcast, changing yeah. the world, yes, we could take some of our revenue and donate it to a proper cause. If you're on top of this kind of stuff, what is a good group or charity or is the, there like a... The problem with even if I, all charities have some kind of political leaning, so right. even if I name the ones I like, it immediately creates a conversation that is not the conversation I want. So yeah. what I would suggest um, is doing, you know, like there's a, there's a company called Buffalo Exchange that sells vintage clothes. And, you know, for better or worse, however you think about their, how they run their business, one of the things they do is they don't give bags hmm. and they charge you for not giving, like you don't get a bag yeah. and it still costs you 20 cents or whatever. 
and they donate the 20 cents they would have spent on a bag mm-hmm. to a cause. And they have five different causes oh. in these little like jars in front of their business and they give you the token oh. and you put it in the one you think would be best. Like, cool. oh, you know, more books at schools. Oh, more, you know, food for the hungry, more whatever. You vote yeah. with the yeah. amount. They still right. charge you. Right. Right. So as a business, they're not losing any of their revenue. Yeah. But they're telling the consumer like no you didn't get a bag and this money you can pick where we're going to spend it yeah right so we could do a thing like that i suppose yeah always i i gotta look into it this year maybe i'll put it on my 2020 list i'd like to find because so much of my artwork has to do with um robotics i'd like to do like a robotic um like limb augmenting augmentation oh, like, like a charity yeah. like that well it's funny oh, you say that because yeah, my yeah, new yeah. project uh automatic oh yeah that'd be right for, automatic we should age. both look into that the and main do character some... has prosthesis that has two legs yeah. that are prosthetic my nice. which is inspired by my father who has a prosthetic oh. limb also well. so i if you want to hook up for like how to help Definitely. that uh <laughs> well, whole segment a, of the community i got you covered you got to do your research right yeah. because like you said it's it's hard to find one that you trust that is going to properly use the the funds as sad as that is yeah it is sad well this has been super pulp science where we have had a marvelous conversation with edrin about all kinds of things that i did not (laughs) expect to cover but that's honestly where the best conversations happen so thanks for coming on the show thank you guys we're encouraging our listeners to join the fight and make comics and recycle